Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Chandler Jones is better than Daniel Hunter. He doesn't get the credit Daniel Hunter does. Nobody there it talks is. about him. There it is. You just, got so his name. you just got his name wrong twice. You just that's got right. his name wrong twice. Well, it's maybe Daniel. that's the problem. It's Daniel. That's the problem. Mrs. Hunter, Daniel, 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 whatever. It's a confusing name. I've finally figured out your problem with Daniel Hunter. It's because your wife's name is Danielle. It's definitely an issue. Yeah. Interesting start to the show. Interesting Photoshop rendering from the control room. You know, that all came up again yesterday because you referred to Daniel Jeremiah as Danielle Jeremiah, and that just reinforces the notion that because your wife's name is Danielle, anyone named Daniel, Danielle, Danny, Dan, like no, Dantana, yes. you're right. Whatever it's it is, you're going to say Danielle. You're right. Well, you know, you, you know what they say: happy wife, happy life. We know who runs my life, okay? Uh, and that is Danielle, my wife. But. Yeah, I didn't mean to say that with Daniel Jeremiah yesterday, so no disrespect to him. And all fun with Daniel Hunter. Uh, I, you know, I don't want this guy one day to, to go to some Viking playoff game and him just beat the crap out of me because I've disrespected his name. I did mess it up. I was saying it wrong for a long time, and I don't mean disrespect to him, just so uh, we're clear about that. I just screwed that one up. Man, you know me in English and my mouth. It just doesn't always work all together. Let me just say this. Say I've been it. around you. I've been around Daniel Hunter. And even though you are a giant of a human being, and I would put my money on you in most street fights, yeah. especially since you grew up in New Jersey uh, and traded in for the mean streets of Greenwich like Steve Young <laughs> grew up on, I, I'd, I'd take Daniel Hunter. Yeah, thanks. I would definitely take yeah. Daniel Hunter. Me too. I think that All would right. be where the smart money is. And that's good because we're going to be making our picks and Placing our bets later today in the joint PFT-PM Chris Sims Unbutton collaboration. But for now, it's PFT Live on Peacock TV, Sirius XM 211, Sky Sports, 7 p.m. local time on Sky Sports NFL for our friends in the U.K., Ireland, London, and all other cities in the U.K. and throughout 
Ireland. And uh, this is the first Thursday night, technically, of the season. As a practical matter, last week was the first Thursday night game, but that's the kickoff game. It's a special edition of Sunday night football. It's really not Thursday night football. Tonight, the first game, the first installation of Thursday night football, the first short week game of the year. And we got a couple of teams, Chris, that are trying to recover from 0-1 starts. And you've only got a few days to turn it around. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. What's better, to have a full week or 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 to just get right back on the horse? And you know what? It doesn't matter because both teams are being forced back onto the horse. No, you're right. And it's, it's uh, two teams that are in different spots, have different expectations, but nonetheless are very intriguing, each one of them. I, I mean, really, I, I'm intrigued by the Bengals. I know I don't expect a lot from them this year, but Joe Burrow, watching him last week, that last drive of the game, did so many good things through the touchdown pass, offensive pass interference. You know, there's some plays in that game too, Mike, when you watch it. And I'm sure he's one of those guys that you're talking about that's going to be glad we're playing Thursday. He missed a few throws and had some plays in that game where I'm sure it's annoyed him and probably woke him up in the middle of the night to go like, ah, I can't believe he missed A.J. Green on a deep, wide-open touchdown through a stupid interception late in the game. So he's going to want to rebound. And I think they're a team that's kind of on the rise and figuring their way out. And then we got the Cleveland Browns, where we see the talent. You said it. The game score the other day was a little misleading. They were hanging in there. The third and two drop by Odell Beckham Jr. was huge. You explained that earlier this week. Uh, But we expect more from them. And that was embarrassing the way they lost last week. And do they rebound or... Is this a team that's just going to be all over the place all year? Who knows? I don't know what to expect from Cleveland, and that makes tonight fun to watch. I think coaching is going to be critical in this quick turnaround for the Cleveland Browns. Kevin Stefanski's second opportunity. If the running game is there, you have to stick with the running game. Don't just start forcing the passes because you're paying a lot of money to Odo Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and Austin Hooper. Keep running the ball. If they can't stop it, keep doing it. That is demoralizing. We saw what happened last year in the postseason to the Vikings when the 49ers decided, we're just going to run the ball. They can't stop it, so why should we stop running? Exactly. Same thing against the Green Bay Packers when the 49ers earned their berth in the Super Bowl. They can't stop our run. Let's just keep running. If you just run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball, I mean, it's not sexy, it's not exciting, but it's effective. And there are a lot fewer ways for things to implode on you if you just hand the ball off and meat grind the opponent instead of the drop back, trying to buy time, dancing around in the pocket, the possibility of a sack, the possibility of a fumble, and then you've got the possibility of an interception once you throw the ball. If you just run the ball, you reduce dramatically the opportunities for a major screw-up, and if they can't stop you, you just keep moving the chains and yeah. scoring points. And And I think that... You know, the fact that we only had three guys over 100 yards last week maybe should tell some of these coaches to think about whether or not they should be running the ball a little bit more. And if you have a bunch of guys who were in the 90s for the game, maybe that tells you you could have run a little bit more and maybe you could have been a little more effective. I guarantee you the Browns would have had a closer game and a better chance to win if they had stayed committed to the run yeah. and not felt compelled, Chris, to spray the ball around to justify their various investments. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said there. And, you know, I think the run game will come along. I do. I think that's probably the hardest thing to get ready for for your first regular season matchup because 
you know, again, the new bodies, what it takes for an offensive line to all be on the same page. Uh, yeah, it's a new scheme, the defense we're going against. They haven't been able to just, uh, you know, 100 miles per hour, pedal to the metal, do the run game in training camp leading up to this first regular season game. So I think there was probably some rustiness there, but I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I mean, I think you're right, especially when you specifically talk about the Cleveland Browns. I mean, yeah, you talk about like the money you set at the receivers, the tight ends. Hey, damn, Cleveland, you got money at at running back and you know, more money with Nick Chubb on the way, but Jack Conklin, top 10 pick at left tackle and Wills, Austin Hooper. Yeah, you mentioned him. They paid a lot of money for him as well, but he's a great run blocker too. So run the damn ball and running can be fun. I mean, look at the team they played last week, Baltimore. Look what it's done. We talk about all the time. Once you become really great at one thing, it forces defense's hands to stop that. And then it opens things up. And that's what we saw last year from what I think we would say the two best teams in football, the 49ers run game. Yeah, different style of doing it, but it led to some big pass moments and things like that. Same with Baltimore. And I'm with you. I think that's something Cleveland's got to play through, especially in a defense, too, that's getting used to their new system and everything like that. But they have a good run blocking offensive line. I thought they messed that up last year and didn't play enough through that. And they were a little quick to ditch it the other day. We'll see what they do here. They're going to have a great advantage in that area. I mean, do we know where Geno Atkins is tonight yet, uh, Mike? He's out, right? Out. DJ Reader, is he out too? Do we know that one? I'm not. We'll check that. He's not out. Okay, so that'll be big. Okay, all right. So that'll help their run defense a little. But Geno Atkins is clearly the best player on that front seven in Cincinnati. And the fact that you don't have to deal with him. That should be like flashing lights, like run the ball, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. We're going to, you know, smash it down your throat. There's a, there's a twist on this as well. Yeah. Because the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns is working. Long a liability when it was Joe Thomas and four guys, whoever they could find to yeah. stand next to him. Right. I saw a stat yesterday from Pro Football Reference, I think, that Baker Mayfield had more pocket time than any quarterback in the NFL for week one well what did he do with it that's a different issue but they're buying him time right they're opening holes in the running game and that puts the focus back on Mayfield when we were working our way through your 40 top quarterbacks we noticed a dividing line between the guys who can run the play that's called and the guys who have the mobility and the escapability to improvise when the play that's called goes to hell One thing that stood out to me from Baker Mayfield as he's trying to will himself to the next level, he's not one of those guys that has enough mobility to keep a play alive, to come up with something once the play that's called isn't there. He tries to, right? Maybe, Maybe he wants to be like his good friend Kyler Murray. Baker, you're not Kyler Murray. You're not Patrick Mahomes. You're not Lamar Jackson. You're closer to Kirk Cousins, but not quite Kirk Cousins. But, but, but not even Ben Roethlisberger. He's not able to, to truly make things happen. You can see it in his demeanor. You can see it in the way his body moves. It's almost like he's shocked he can't do more yeah. to get away and make something else happen. But Kevin Stefanski needs to get him to color within the lines quickly where that passing game isn't going to take off. No, I I think you're right. Uh, We saw, again, some evidence there on Monday. And, you know, this is where I brought up to Monday to or Sunday we saw evidence. But Monday is where I brought up, you know, I had the same concerns watching that game and even watching back on film is just 
What do, what is it that Baker Mayfield does great that you can hang your hat on right now? I, I do. I have a little question there. There's a lot of good, but like the really, really good quarterbacks have some sort of an elite trait that makes them elite in that area along with all their other good. And right now, Baker's not the best decision maker. He's not the most consistent thrower within the pocket, you know, and within that, he has moments that lead to turnovers like the interception. Hey, year three, he's throwing a backside slant. It's wide open. It's wide open. He takes a three-step drop out of the shotgun. Three-step game when you're in the shotgun has to be catch it and get ready to throw the ball because the ball travels in the air, which makes up for the first two steps if you were underneath center. He did that. He threw it late. He threw it behind. That led Calais Campbell have enough time to get over there and caused an interception. But that was all Baker Mayfield and his lack of attention or detail to his feet and his technique that way. And they're just you see that on certain throws, too, where you go, man, the guy's open. Oh, he missed it. Um, and then, of course, he's off page with Odell Beckham Jr. and everything like that. So, yeah, a guy that like me who likes Baker Mayfield, I do, and I like some of the things he brings to the table – I still am not sure what he is. I don't know yet. I, I don't know. I thought we knew going into last year, and last year he made us not know even more, and here we are in week one. It didn't answer any questions, so tonight we do you know a little more digging and hopefully we get more evidence along those lines. And it was a Thursday night in September two years ago when the Jets came to town. Tyrod right. Taylor had the start, got banged up, and – Baker Mayfield mania was born. That was it. How do you get back to that? How do you build on that? How do you become the best you can be? And is it possible that the best you were ever going to be is what you were two years ago? It's a depressing thought if it's even remotely true for Baker Mayfield. But Chris, we have a season and a week of evidence after 2018 and something's missing from the magic that we saw right out of the gates. And yeah. I agree with you completely. When you watch Baker Mayfield play, there's nothing that makes you say, wow. Right. There's nothing that makes you say, damn. There's nothing that makes you go on the edge of your seat and anticipate some sort of magic. It's more like this nagging sense of what's going to go wrong on this play. Oh, they're dropping back to pass. What's going to go wrong on this play? It is play? a little. Is you're it right. going to be a miscommunication? Is it going to be a bad route? Is it going to be a mini case of alligator arms? Is somebody going to get their hand in the way? What's going to happen? You know, they fooled Baker Mayfield early on in that game. Calais Campbell dropped into coverage and tipped a ball, and then it was picked off. And I'm sure that was just a product of film study about the tendencies and the tells of Baker Mayfield where maybe he doesn't look to see if there's anyone in that spot when he throws the ball, and he just throws it. And Calais Campbell was well, there yeah. with the first interception of the game that opened the floodgates. No, no doubt. And that's that's what I was saying. Like, there, there was attention to detail with the lack of his drop. You know, he, he, he caused that interception. Calais Campbell, if you're the quarterback, was playing right defensive tackle. He was throwing a slant to his left side. It was wide open. There was no linebackers over there or anything. He took extra steps in his drop, which made him late throwing the ball. The guy was open before that for a second and a half already. And he threw the ball, and the ball was going to be behind the, the receiver either. Anyways, if you watch the replay, you'll see the receiver's getting ready to turn his body as the ball's coming in the air because he knows it's behind him. But then Calais Campbell gets his hand out there, and that's what we're talking about. It's just it's rough around the edges with Baker Mayfield right now. You're right. There's some where you go, man, that's a hell of a throw. And then you're going, oh, I don't know what the hell is going to happen here. Whoa, that was a dicey decision. Oh, that ball was a little off target. 
oh, I thought he was going to get out of the pocket, but he didn't. He got sacked. It's a, it is. It's a lot of that. So I think when you bring up like his rookie year, the first thing that came to my mind was a guy that got back, you know, dropped back aggressively, made a quick decision, and let the ball go. I see hesitation and thinking in his game right now. I can think of two early throws in this game just this past week where it's like, hey, if you get single, you just throw it to Odell Beckham Jr. And he's got Odell Beckham Jr. two times within the first drive, and he like hesitates and doesn't throw it. And Odell's sitting there like, wait, I'm, I'm open. He's looking around. He's like, what? why didn't I get it? So I, I do. I get the sense looking at him that he's still a little all over the place mentally, flustered, whatever it is. Uh, but I would like to see him get it on track because, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think there's potential for the player to be good. And, of course, we know they got some weapons around him. Let me ask you this. Psychologically, yeah. as a quarterback, right. when you are on the first drive of the game and you throw a pass that you believe is going to be open and maybe pop for a nice gain, and it turns out a defensive lineman ends up right in the spot to tip the ball away, does that make you – just like split-second gun-shy after that because you were shocked by the presence of a giant there when you didn't expect him to be there? No doubt about it. It'll make you second-guess, second-look from that point on because they, especially when you throw an interception that early in the game, you just go, okay, man, I threw an interception. You know, first drive of the game. It led to a touchdown for them. You know, you, you just start to go, man, I, I, I don't want to put my team in a hole. One more mistake here. We could be down 14 nothing, and we haven't even, like, broke a sweat yet. So it will make you second-guess your throws, what you're seeing. You can become extra careful, which is what I think happened to him a little bit in the first half there. I do, I, and I think that even happened with some throws and things like that to Odell where he just wasn't sure he wanted to let it go because he was afraid he wasn't seeing it right or whatever that is. And, um, yeah, there's been a lot of that. It's just rough around the edges. That's the way I would say it. There's good. Oh, that's nice. But then it's, ooh, yeah, this isn't so good. And it's just never consistent. It hasn't been really ever since that rookie year. How long's his leash, do you think? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Because we know, you and I know, that Kevin Stefanski has great respect for Case Keenum. And we've heard that from many people in the NFL. And they had a great relationship, supposedly, from everything we've heard when they were up in Minnesota. This is the number one pick, but this is a regime that didn't pick him. So that makes the lease shorter than it might have been with a Freddie Kitchens or, uh, of, course, of course, the the head coach that drafted him, who I'm blanking on his name right now. Stu Hugh ja Jackson. Hugh Jackson, excuse me. So what do you think, Mike? I would think if they got to like week six, seven, somewhere in there, and they're two and four, Something like that, I would say that's probably around the time where they'd finally go, okay, maybe we need to sit him on the bench. He needs to take a breather, sit back, reevaluate himself. You know, the game's just become too much. I, I would imagine that. What, what, do you, what do you think? Well, the bye week is always an important spot to yeah. look at. That's week nine. But when I look at the schedule for the Cleveland Browns, right. and if we have that graphic, and this is a that, – look at that. That is impressive. The Bengals this week, if they should lose that game, although I don't believe they will if they stick with the running game, it gets a little dicey. Washington, not the Washington of old. At the Cowboys, that will not be easy. The Colts, who knows with them. At the Steelers, then another game with the Bengals and the Raiders before the bye. I could see at some point, if they don't start picking up some wins, if they don't have two wins by the second Bengals game, 
that's when I think yeah. Baker Mayfield's in trouble. But, Chris, here's the thing. It's not just the relationship between Stefanski and Keenum. They have a shared experience from the Minneapolis miracle that I think creates a lifetime bond yeah, and a lifetime sure. friendship. To the extent that there wasn't already a strong friendship between the two men, that moment and that euphoria that was triggered throughout the state of Minnesota, throughout the organization, that creates something between quarterback, coach, and quarterback that isn't going to go away no. in two years. And if and, and, and it was that whole season, it was magical, and it was the only year that they worked together in Minnesota, 2017. So I, I think that, that from the moment Case Keenum was added by the Browns, the seed was planted of the possibility of an alternative to Baker Mayfield if he skews toward the Baker Mayfield of 2019, not the Baker Mayfield of 2018. And I don't think we should be surprised if it happens. And I think, and look, I, I don't want to go any farther than the surface of this rabbit hole, Chris. Yeah. And I'm reluctant to even bring it up. But conspiracy Mike on a Thursday morning would say to you that Baker Mayfield's about face on kneeling for the anthem was influenced in part by the fact that he knows he needs the fans on his side because once they turn on him, it is going to be Case Keenum time. Uh, I agree with that. I do. I think that that was a business decision to realize like, wait, I'm kind of on the fence right now here in Cleveland, Ohio, and let me just stand up and not be a distraction or cause any noise or have people, you know, apt to jump on me a little quicker because of this. Uh, I agree. I, I do agree with that. I think he assessed that situation and knew that it would probably cause more harm than good for himself and maybe the team altogether. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to deal with that in the conversation there. Uh, and I understand that. I mean, they're a team that's got enough things going on. They've accomplished nothing. And, you know, stay the course. Just worry about what you got to worry about right now. I, I respect Baker Mayfield's stance on a lot of this stuff. I do. Uh, I know he's, you know, in the good fight for social justice and everything like that. Um, but this is a big year for him and his career. And you're right. With Case Keenum and Stefanski, that is a special bond. They did special things that year, and it almost had a special ending. The Minneapolis miracle, like you said, was special. Uh, and I think that's like we, you said, that second Bengals game, if they go into Pittsburgh and lay an egg offensively and it doesn't look good and they're sitting there two and four and their only wins are maybe tonight and maybe the Washington team, I think Cleveland will sit down and have serious discussions about Ooh, what should we do with Baker Mayfield? Is it time to sit him down? How much longer do we let him go? And I think that all will start up. You mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. We talked earlier in the week after looking at the game about OBJ's performance, the drop when he was either running with the ball before he caught it or anticipating contact. There was that one moment where there was a half alligator arm effort on a tip ball. I mention that again because of a guy that stood out to me on the Cincinnati defense watching their game against the Chargers, and that's Jesse Bates. Oh, right. Flies you better around, have your head he? on a swivel when Jesse <laughs> yeah. Bates is around, and right. Jesse Bates better set some money aside for the fine letters Woo! he's going to get. He got flagged three? for a hit. Two? To the, yeah, well, well, he had three big hits. Right. One he shouldn't have been flagged for because it was shoulder to shoulder, but right. it was one of those bang, bang, holy crap hits, and it was legal. It was so close to the line, though, 
the officials throw the flag. There was another hit on Mike Williams. I'm surprised didn't draw the flag. I think that was the makeup call for the mistake earlier. And then he had the simultaneous lowering of the helmet. The first time we've seen offsetting penalties because both guys did it. So Bates Bates is uh, a guy that you got to be aware of where he is everywhere. And it's going to be interesting to see whether and to what extent he tries to intimidate Odell Beckham Jr. early. Because if I'm that Bengals defense watching the film of week one, one of the things we're talking about is, hey, for whatever reason, Beckham doesn't look like a guy he wants to, who wants to get hit right now. So it's football. What are we going to do? We're, we're going we're gonna to play into that. And uh, if we get a shot at him, clean legal shot. Folks, let's not start the season how we ended last season. I'm not advocating (laughs) the infliction of injury on any player. I'm just saying this is football, and one of the ways that you prevail is through physical intimidation. And if you spot a guy on film, Chris, who looks like he doesn't want to take it, you're going to give it to him. Well, and anytime, you know, to what you're saying, that's very real. And, like, anytime you got a good, like, group of receivers, the best thing to give yourself an advantage is a little fear in the receivers. Yeah, hey, come in here. Sure, you'll come across the middle, Odell or Jarvis Landry. Yeah, see what we got for you. You know, that'll make any good passing attack or wide receiver core, you know, think twice and give the defense a mental advantage. Mike, and I'm glad you brought him up. Man, I, I mean, that's – I love talking about guys like this, guys that, the, the, like, the national media, the normal fan doesn't know yet, but they're going to watch him tonight and go, whoa, this kid's all over the place. He is fun to watch, and I think that'll be an interesting, good matchup too. The secondary in Cincinnati is pretty good. William Jackson is one of the best corners in football. You will see him tonight, anybody watching. Number 22, I'm telling you, he'll be, he's, gonna, he's up for a new contract after this year. You'll see he's going to be paid like he's one of the best corners in the sport. He will match up. That'll be fun to watch. Von Bell at safety. You know, there's some things that you can get excited about with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, it stinks that Geno Atkins won't be playing, but uh, that'll be a matchup that will be you know worth the price of admission, and and we'll see. I'm sure they are going to try to physically intimidate that group a little bit. And Jarvis Landry right now, where's he at? Do we know if he's going to be able to go here tonight? It looks like he's going to be okay to go. Okay. It looks like he's going to be good to go, and he's a guy who's going to fight through it, and he's going to be out there, and he's not a guy you're going to intimidate with a big hit. No, he's you're not. get up, and he's going to keep going. He's going to welcome it. He's going to deliver it if he gets a chance. All right, let me go back to Joe Burrow. You touched on it briefly, right. but I, I am putting my special edition Ron Jaworski glasses on <laughs> to tell you I watched all of that game. Yeah. And I see Joe Burrow. And I see a guy who is going to be an endless source of fascination and consternation if he doesn't clean up some things because sure. he had not one, not two, three, but three Jameis Winston moments. And yeah. when I say Jameis Winston moments, I mean a moment where the, the, uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You're trying to make something happen, and you do something that makes the objective observer say, what the bleep was that? He had two of them on three plays, and he was lucky it didn't become a disaster. That that goofy little flip that was ultimately picked off by Melvin Ingram with the game on the line, they're in field goal range for crying out loud. Yep. And he does that little flip to Gio Bernard. Like, what the hell is that? He tried something like that earlier in the game. And he's just lucky that it hit the ground instead of Yeah, he threw it out to his right to Joe Mixon, right, who was out by the sideline No, that's a different one. That's a different one. He had a lateral 
like like a, oh my god I don't know what to do there's Joe Mixon we're just playing in the backyard and we're six years old I'm going to throw it to him and it yeah. was a live ball right. he had one two plays before that where he threw a forward pass that was one of those hey I don't know what to do hey here I'm just going to do that and uh, you can't do that you can't do that now to balance that out man he's fearless when it's time to throw the ball right and he's fearless when it's time to take a hit we've talked a lot about Cam Newton getting hit this week he only took a couple of hits that I thought were maybe when watching the full game concerning Burrow was getting banged around Burrow was embracing it Burrow runs the ball designed and scrambled um he's gonna get hurt if he doesn't if he doesn't take better care of himself but he had some great throws and you mentioned where he overthrew AJ Green two snaps before that I don't know what the hell John Ross was doing Oh, right. I mean, you can have all the speed in the world, but if you get to the spot where the ball is and you just put your arms out and it goes right through them, the, who, what good are you? Yeah. But they should have had a touchdown before he missed A.J. Green. Right. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of things to look at at Joe Burrow and be excited. You know, first off, yes, was it a little, like, frenetic and just all over the place? And, yeah, it certainly was. He's going to have to dial it in a little bit. And Frenetic, frenetic. Frenetic, yes. Potato, that's frenetic. Potato. Thank you. Frenetic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right. But – You know, also, hey, this is a guy that didn't have this history in college, so I'm not going to say here I'm concerned. Like, we saw this a little from Jameis Winston his last year in college to where people were like, oh, I believe Jameis threw like 17 interceptions his last year where people were like, I don't know, there's a few too many there that I don't like, and that concerned people. Joe Burrow, we didn't see any of that. Now, where I think Joe Burrow was a little off is, hey, Football was easy for him last year. You know what I mean? I mean, it was fun. He made plays. He always came out on top. And I think, you know, in this game, he was like, what the hell? My magic isn't really working here. It's still 13-13, and I haven't made a play. I I just think he forced the issue a few too many times. But how many times, Mike, you know, did he get out of trouble, get out of harm's way, stand in there and deliver a ball when he was about to get crushed? Whether it was complete or incomplete, he shows no fear there. His ability to run like we saw in the touchdown run or other scrambles oh, was great. is very he, impressive, he, he, right? He, he puts his hand on the back of his offensive lineman, directs him where to go, and and, and bursts into the end zone for the touchdown. Yeah. It, was a, it was a 10-year veteran move. Exactly. That's the thing. This is, this is a guy that's going to drive fans crazy and drive analysts crazy because there are going to be moments where he plays like an all-pro, and there are going to be moments where you want to pull your hair out. And I know that when Patrick Mahomes first landed on the scene, he got compared to Brett Favre until we realized, you know what, he doesn't make mistakes like Brett Favre. This guy, Joe Burrow, is Brett Favre right now. He, he could from be. The standpoint of, from the standpoint of he can do the great things, and he's also going to have these moments where you want to go strangling. Yeah, but I think this is a guy, well, he doesn't have the arm of Brett Favre does. And that led Brett Favre into a lot of issues, as you we always talk about. Guys with really strong arms, they just they've never seen a receiver that they don't think they can I can squeeze it in there. Shoom. Oh, damn, it didn't get in there, coach. I thought I could get it in there. Why did you think you can get it in there? I just saw just a little, you know, gleam of light in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, there was four guys there. That was stupid. I don't think you'll have to worry about that with Joe Burrow. But I think to what you're saying, yes, he's got to rein it in and just realize like we talk about with other quarterbacks whether it was a Jameis Winston a Carson Wentz other guys that sometimes said the play's over you know go down take the sack throw it away it's over it's okay yeah it's not you know LSU versus Old Miss you're not clearly the best team on the field where you can just oh yeah they won this play but we're still so good I'll overcome it and break a tackle and throw to this guy and he'll break a tackle and even though we lost the play we got a 50-yard touchdown 
You know, that, that's, that, this is the NFL. It's a different game altogether. I think he's smart enough to know that he can't survive the way he played there. And I think he's also got to realize, hey, the way he played last year at LSU is who he is, which is in the pocket, ultra-quick decisions, unbelievable accurate throws, and then when it presents itself, okay, I got pressure. Let me see if I can get out of it. But don't go crazy with a guy on your back. I mean, he had a guy on his back one time, and he was trying to hold up, and people were about to hit him, and I'm going, damn, you're going to blow your knee out doing that crap. Like, just go down. Don't do it. Because he is fun to watch, and I, I think he's got great, great potential. But there are some things to clean up, and hopefully he can do that tonight. This is the reality of every time you make that step to the next level up in football. The game is faster. The windows are narrower when you're throwing the football. And the question is, can you rise to that occasion? And the most encouraging thing for me is this. After a year at LSU... He self-scouted himself, and he knew what he needed to do to get yeah. better. He explained to me before the draft, he needed to work at getting his base under him again when he was on the move before he threw the football. So he, he went back, he spotted the flaw, he figured it out, and he adjusted his game. So the question is, based on week one, and this is one of the problems of playing on Thursday night. Yes. How much time do you really have right. to look at what you did, mm -hmm. spot your flaws, and implement fixes by Thursday night. I'm not sure that you have enough time to do that, Chris. No, no you don't. You're exactly right. All he's going to be able to do is just some basic football principles to go like some of the stupid shuffle passes. That'll be able to clarify in his brain here, clear up a little bit where the coach is be like, hey, no more of that. And he's going to realize because he's going to feel like, man, I might have cost the team anyways. So I would expect less of those type of things. And the other thing he could certainly think about a little, even though it's a short week, is I'm sure the coaches were a little, hey, protect yourself, man. You know, you're more important to us on the field than trying to get three extra yards on second and six. We don't give a damn if it's second and three or second and five and a half. We'll be okay if it comes to, like, your health. We don't want to gamble there. Uh, so those, those are things I think he could fix. But this is a quick turnaround. It's hard to build on schematically game plan stuff that you did good or felt comfortable with. You did get no reps at practice this week. It's all walkthrough. And, yes, it will be a little bit of a challenge tonight as far as that's concerned and, and cleaning things up and having it all you know, on the same page on the offensive side. And here's the bottom line. He passed the eyeball test. He nearly that's won the for game. Sure. He did everything he could to put his team in position to force overtime. But with all that said – there were moments that need to be rectified, and this is what we hear all the time from coaches. We're going to go watch the film. We're going to figure out what we need to fix. Well, if I'm Zach Taylor, the coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, there's stuff to fix, including three plays that if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm throwing a hamburger at the TV during the game saying, what in the hell was that? That is not the way the first overall pick in the draft should play, and I believe that Joe Burrow would be the first person to admit it. Uh, you know, I think there's obviously good and bad from watching the film, uh, but just, you know, being decisive, uh, getting the ball out on time, I think those are two big things that uh, will go a long way. But just, uh, like I said after the game, too, but just being more consistent as an offense, you know, each drive, uh, come going out there and executing. Jimmy Garoppolo, 49ers quarterback, the team trying to rebound from an 0-1 start. They've got back-to-back -back games at MetLife Stadium. First the Jets, then Chris Sims Giants, even though he'll be rooting for his buddy Kyle Shanahan. And I get it because, look, the 49ers at this point have much greater potential than the Giants. So if you're going to pick a horse, you pick the one that you think is going to live longer, and it's going to be the 49ers. But 
they need some help because more injury problems. Chris, this one came out of the blue. Richard Sherman placed on injured reserve yesterday. He's got a calf injury. And one of the things we need to remember about injured reserve this year, because in the past, not that long ago, if you're put on injured reserve, you're done. Then they opened the door for a couple of guys to go on IR for eight weeks in return. And this year it was going to be three guys could go on IR for eight weeks in return. And then came the pandemic and they decided it's open season. Anyone can be put on injured reserve and they can come back after three weeks. So it's not nearly the doom and gloom. No that it was once upon a time. But the thing is, it's so open-ended. You don't know when a guy's coming back. And, you know, the ultimate Bill Belichick approach to things like this is you put the guy in injured reserve and you never talk about him again until he comes back. He may be gone for the rest of the season. He may be gone for three weeks. He may be gone for three months. We don't know. Yeah. But with Sherman, Kyle talked about it yesterday. It sounds like he's not going to be out for very long, but we know at a minimum he's got to miss three weeks. Yeah. Well, it's it's a big blow regardless. You know, this is a, a team that had a little issue stopping the pass game just this past week. We saw that. And I would sit here and argue, too, that, cornerback play is not one of the strengths of the 49ers to begin with it's not you know they are helped out in a big way by the fact that they have the best pass rushing front four there is you know we saw last week that when Kyler Murray he can buy some time and stuff the 49ers are not a man-to-man lockdown cover type team so it is a it, it does stink for them as far as that's concerned you know they're still trying to figure out who they want the other guy to be as far as on the other side of Richard Sherman, he's healthy. There was a lot of competition there. You know, Akilah Witherspoon, he's a little banged up. Does Jason Verrett, Ver- uh, Ver- uh, Jason Verrett, sorry, can he come up and be healthy? He's a guy that had great potential early in his career, but all he's done has been injured ever since then. Um, so, yeah, Sherman's smart. He understands the scheme. He gets the secondary on the right page. He's a leader. And they're going through a little adversity right now. And it won't help their team with him not being there. This is the kind of guy you want in the locker room in these kind of scenarios right now when you're 0-1 coming off a Super Bowl loss. He's been in this chair before and knows what it's all about. And he could be wise and help out the rest of the football team. And costly for Richard Sherman in a different way. He's got a base salary this year of $8 million. But he's got a million tied up in participating in 90% of the defensive snaps. That goes out the window now with missing three games. He's got a million tied up in making it to the Pro Bowl. That's going to be a tougher thing to do when you miss at least least three games. And he's got $2 million tied up in being first or second team All-Pro. That becomes a lot harder to do when you miss at least three games, plus 62500 that goes out the window in per-game roster Jeez. bonuses. So he's looking at at least $4 million as a practical matter. $4 million, $4.18 million to do the math almost accurately that is going to go away because of this, most likely. Although it's not a done deal that he can't make the Pro Bowl or make first or second team all pro. It's just going to be really hard if he misses three games. And uh, eight Look, I there are mixed opinions on whether or not he should be paid like a top 10 corner. Do you view him right now as a top 10 corner? I, I do not. I do not. I think he's a great fit for the scheme. And because of their front four, that fools people a little into thinking that he's a top 10 corner that way. But no, uh, again, I, I'm always going to put top 10 corners in a little bit of the category of like, can you live on an island? You know, we're not paying you $15 million a year to like just pedal back and coach sit. Tell you, the coach said sit in the zone coverage and read things out. No, the really good ones are matching up against the number one receivers, the number two receivers. Sherman's good still. Don't get me wrong, but 
he's limited in his ability to play one-on-one. He just understands the scheme. He's smart. He doesn't get up a lot of big plays. And then the other thing that he's very valuable with because he's very comfortable in the scheme is, you know, he'll take a chance every now and then because he understands what teams are trying to do to attack that scheme and he can kind of see plays unfold that way and then maybe jump a route that he's not supposed to jump or do something like that. But no, do I think he's in the class of, you know, the Gilmores, the Ramseys, the Xavier Howards and Byron Jones and all those guys? Absolutely not. And, you know, it's fitting then. He's number 11 at $8 million in base salary. Last year, I think he did benefit from that pass rush right. and the name recognition to get to the Pro Bowl, to make it the second team all pro, and to unlock significant money via incentives that if you had put him on any other team last year, maybe he wouldn't have seen. But uh, the bottom line is they need him back. They have too many guys banged up in the secondary. But if the pass rush is, is as potent as it was last year, Chris, you or I could be playing defensive back well it wouldn't matter if the quarterback can't get the ball out of his hands before he gets blown up by Nick Bosa no I mean you're you're right about I don't know if we could play or not you know because then teams would just throw screens and then they'd go okay can Florio (laughs) or Sims tackle like this receiver and we probably wouldn't so it wouldn't help out either uh but but it but it does help out their secondary there's no doubt about that it's it's what's special about their football team it's why they lost last week their defensive line couldn't make a mess of the game because of Mighty Mouse running all over the field. I mean, Mighty Mouse is the kryptonite for that defense. He really is. So this week, they got a guy in Sam Darnold who's not going to be able to run that way. He can hop around the pocket, and then also what makes things good for the 49ers is it's not the most potent passing attack we've ever seen in New York. There's really no receiver that you can look at to go, oh, man, Richard Sherman's not playing. The 49ers are going to get diced up in the secondary this week no so if there's ever a week to have this injury it's it's really these next two weeks where the Giants and the Jets are still kind of a work in progress in that department you don't hear much about Mighty Mouse anymore I'll give you that do you know who has uh uh, what football player had a Mighty Mouse tattoo oh he's retired now do you remember I I know I do know this it's not uh Darren Sproles is it Heinz Ward Heinz Ward. Ward, he had one? Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's not that right. tiny to be having a Mighty right arm, Mouse. Right arm Mighty Mouse tattoo. And the thing is, you mentioned that in reference to Kyler Murray. I have a feeling you probably wouldn't like that. I probably just, not. Yeah. <laughs> Don't call me Mighty Mouse, <laughs> I probably, uh, you big lummox. Yes. Uh, that's what he would say. You're but, right. But hey, uh, he's, he's uh, we're going to. I'll be, sure be Mighty Mouse. If you, want, if you want to switch hey. roles with me, Kyler Murray, I'll go ahead and be Mighty Mouse. You can come here and talk to Florio every day. We could switch the, roles the, some way. I'll be cool with that. <laughs> those Washington defensive linemen had eight sacks of Carson Wentz get to try to chase Mighty Mouse around this week, which should be interesting. Okay, uh, good news for the 49ers, I believe. You've got Richard Sherman placed on IR, George Kittle not placed on IR. And remember, you can do it with an unlimited number of guys and bring them back after three weeks, no matter how many guys you do it with. So, you know, they're holding out hope that Kittle will be ready to go. He, he took that blow to the knee on the hospital ball that was thrown by Jimmy Garoppolo, but we saw him get the sprained knee last year, and he only missed a couple of games. I think their, their bye was sandwiched in there as well. They gave him a little extra time to heal. But uh, he didn't practice Wednesday. Kyle Shanahan said yesterday he's battling, and they won't rule out Kittle playing in, in New York on Sunday when they take on the Jets. But, you know, with, it's just it's, it's Kittle. It's how he's exactly. wired. Right. He's going to find a way to get back there, and I think at some point the challenge is – protecting him from 
making it worse by playing when maybe he shouldn't. Yeah, they'll, he's a psycho in a good way, which they love because they know he's going to do anything he can to play football. And with the state of their receivers and the fact that they're 0-1 and the fact that he got a new contract and the 49ers won't feel guilty for throwing him out there and George Kittle might not care as much because he's financially secure here to where – I think if he probably gets around 80, 85, 90%, they'll, he'll probably play this week. Just because they're 0-1, the offense was a little all over the place during the game, and the receivers are banged up, they need him. So that that's why I come where I look at it. But you're right. If it's like, oh, man, he can barely you know come out of a break or he can only run like 60%, then, then they need to send him out. They do have Jordan Reed who I know you mentioned on Monday, I think on Monday, and you said he looked pretty good. And Jordan Reed is still very talented. It's just, can he stay healthy? Um, but this is a big game for the 49ers, as we know. We, we expect them to win, uh, but you never know coming across country. And, and the Jets are pissed off with the way they played in week one, too. So we'll see where it all goes. Good news for the 49ers. Brandon Ayuk, their first-round receiver, yes. returns to full practice. He had a hamstring problem. They need guys on the outside especially when you consider the struggles they were having working in the middle of the field. That's one of the things you've pointed out, Chris, that the defenses have figured out that's where Kyle likes to go. Yep. That's where he tries to get Jimmy Garoppolo to throw it. So you take that away and you force him to throw it outside, and you need receivers on the outside if you're going to do that. There, there's no doubt. I, if I was going to talk to my buddy Kyle Shanahan and talk to Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd say we got to throw the ball down the field a little bit more. we got to throw the ball outside the numbers a little bit more. The, four, the, the, the Cardinals had moments of being ready for the crossing, picking routes where they had guys on both sides just waiting for it. Like, okay, yeah, we're in man-to-man, but we know what you like to do when you're in man-to-man. You like to throw it over the middle. They'll play action passes over the middle. We saw it a little last year. The Vikings in the playoff game, the Chiefs in big moments, and now here in week one, there was a concerted effort to take away that part of the field when it came to the pass game. And... I, I, that's to me where Brian, Brandon Ayuk hopefully can come in handy to be that guy like you're saying, outside, okay, we can run some go routes, some post routes. If they play on top of them, hey, we'll start throwing some out routes and some comebacks and things like that. The thing is, it's not a strength of Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's really a part of his game he needs to work on. I watched, you know, of course, Arizona's offense last week. 49ers did a lot to take away the middle of the field for Kyler Murray too, but you know what they started to do? They said, oh, fine, you want to do that? Here's a 10-yard out to DeAndre Hopkins. Here's a 15-yard comeback to DeAndre Hopkins. Here's another 10-yard out. to. If that's what you're going to give us, we'll just throw that all day long. And I do think that's an element that hopefully Ayuk and the 49ers can expand in their offense. Nick Bosa is good to go for this week. His brother Joey, who plays for the Chargers, missed Wednesday's practice with a triceps injury. That was a bit of a surprise. He said on Monday after the game against the Bengals, I felt a little fatigued, but my body had felt great. And this is a guy who's always had that that nagging, yeah. is he healthy, can he stay healthy, can he stay on the field, and to be injured after week one is alarming, but it makes it even more sensible that he, he made sure the Chargers paid him on a long-term deal, $27 million per year. But uh, guy's got to play to earn that money, and uh, we'll see if he's able to go when Sunday rolls around. Right. Just, just um, quick thing there, Mike. Just with, first off, the Bosa's are they're wound tight, uh, I and mean, that's why they're so explosive. So they're going to have some tissue injuries every now and then. But again, to me, this is the second time this week we're talking about a guy who on Monday kind of thought he was okay or not that bad, 
And then here you find out later. And then we get to me. That's always comes back to that tour it all conversation. Guys, sometimes when they wake up Monday Monday morning, don't know how hurt they are until they wake up Tuesday or Wednesday morning when it all wears off. And I just, I'm sorry, I just thought that was kind of a that's the second time this week it's come up. And, and it makes sense. Yeah. And look, the Chargers need Joey Bosa because they draw the Chiefs. At Arrowhead Stadium. Is it at Arrowhead or are they at home this week? Uh, who cares? It, is, it doesn't it's matter. At home. Who Wait, cares? Is it home? <laughs> who cares? Why doesn't it say where they're playing? Uh, it's got it. Well, the Chiefs were at home and the Chargers were on the road, so common sense would suggest that the Chargers are going to be at home. The second game ever at SoFi Stadium with no fans present. Present, They do have the Chiefs coming to town. Not that it matters when it's the Chiefs. They can take that show on the road anywhere and if Joey Bosa is limited in any way it's going to make it easier for Patrick Mahomes and company with a little extra rest we know how Andy Reid is oh, when he yeah. has extra time Uh-oh. does three extra days count yes it does there's no doubt because what they'll do is they might have took Friday off as a coaching staff after the game and then Saturday and Sunday they're back in there again and they can kind of ease their way into okay let's start game planning oh hey, I'd like to add this into the offense this week. And then, you know, Monday becomes an extra day too because Monday is usually you're reviewing the film of the last game if you played on Sunday, right? So I would expect, yeah, it's a mini bye week. This is why these coaches, they kind of like these Thursday night games because of this. They get a little refresher and a break, but it lets them have some time to kind of reevaluate that next week and maybe throw, you know, a, a few new things into their game plans. Around any corner... Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Can I just say this? On one hand, it's good that, that, that Big Ten football supposedly will be played, scheduled to be played in October. Mm-hmm. That's good. October 24th is supposed to be the first game. And that is a reversal from what the league, from what the, the conference's yeah. commissioner and chancellors yeah. and presidents put out in August. Can Sorry. we be straight? This ain't about new information. No. So if you can say God, no. if you can say it's not about new information, if you can just admit 
It's not about student athletes not doing what's best for these kids. This is about money. Cue the OJ. Some people got to have it. It's what it is. It's $66 million at the base and more money coming when you are part of the Power Five conferences. So don't tell me this is about safety. This don't tell me that it's about college presidents and chancellors sitting down at the table and rethinking this. It's all about money. And if you admit that, okay, more power to you. But don't tell me that the science has changed because the science has not changed. Michael Hawley and Michael Smith, brother from another, each weekday on Peacock at 3 p.m. Eastern, part of the sports lineup. And a thought-provoking comment there from Michael Hawley. Let me just say this, and then we got to move on, Chris. Watch for the next coronavirus relief package from Congress to include wide immunity for universities for any potential liability arising from college football practices and games. Quid pro quo to get the Big Ten back at a critical time on the calendar for reasons unrelated to football season. That's all I'm going to say about that. And now we move on to football season. Week two for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers entails a visit from the Carolina Panthers. So much talk about whether or not there's an issue between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady because Arians keeps calling Tom Brady out. Brett Favre said earlier this week that Arians is barking up the wrong tree by doing that. Arians was asked yesterday whether or not there's a problem between him and hashtag Tommy. Here's Arians. Tom and I are fine, so I, I don't really care what other people think. <laughs> so it's just what he and I think. And, uh, you know, we, we left the stadium fine. We showed up today fine. So <laughs> there ain't nothing to talk about. Yeah, and we'll see if there's anything to talk about moving forward. Tom yeah. Brady talks to the media today. He's not going to say anything. No. He's not, he's not going to give Arians the satisfaction to think that it bothered him. Right. right. No but, doubt. But we, we watch for other signs of friction that may manifest themselves if Brady truly doesn't appreciate being called out by Arian. That's right. I mean, I, this is something just to watch. I, I, of course, Brady is not going to want to start off his new look with a new franchise on a on a Thursday afternoon complaining about the coach talking about how bad he played to the media. There's no way. And I think that he, there probably has been zero talk to this point between Bruce and Tom about like what was said or whatever. This is, hey, it's, it's a new show. Tom knows he didn't play well. He knows he can play better. He's going to get used to Bruce Arians, be a good soldier right now. I think what you and I are just thinking is like, okay, if we're here at week seven and it's happened, let's just say three other times after this, how will it be accepted? Uh, that will be the big thing that we're going to see as we go along. And, um, yeah, I think everything's still good right now. And when you got Carolina Panthers and the newness of that team and everything there, that, that'll settle down the whole organization a little, and they should be confident they can win this game this week. Chris Goblin is in the concussion protocol for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh-oh. That is concerning. Mike Evans back to practice on a limited basis with a hamstring issue. That's good news. Last week he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. Allen Robinson Wants a new contract from the Chicago Bears. He was in the middle of some stuff on Tuesday as it all came to a head on Wednesday. He was asked about the reports that he wants to trade out of Chicago. Here's Robinson. You know, everything that 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 was said or whatever the case may be, you know, um, I've talked to uh, I've talked to uh, to Ryan. I've talked to Coach Nagy, you know, so I mean, um, as far as everything else, you know, we're we're uh, in the clear with that. My heart and spirit, you know, has never wavered, you know, as far as uh, the city of Chicago. Um, and, and uh, plan for the organization. Like I said before, obviously, you dive into the business of the game, you know, um, and there's different variables that go down to that, you know. But, again, how I 
feel about my teammates, how I feel about this team, how I feel about this city and everything like that, you know, again, has never wavered. You know, again, like I said before, when you're in this business and when you're in situations like this, things come up, you know. So, again, uh, to answer your question, you know, I feel the same way, you know, how I've said I've, I felt uh, prior. Well, then why did you remove all references to the Bears from your social media? We know the significance of that in this day and age, Chris. Yeah. That's what started all of this on that's, Tuesday. That's exactly right. right. That, that's it. You're, you're exactly right. Hey, I understand. I, we're, we're, you and I, there's nobody more sensitive to the player and wanting a new contract out there in the world. And yes, I understand it. And certainly he deserves it. He does. I get that, too. Uh, I mean, I, I look at it, and there's some guys in front of him where you go, okay, they're making more money than him. I would rather have Allen Robinson. Uh, I understand that. But, yes, he started that conversation. And to me, that's where it just gets petty with players. I wish they wouldn't do that stuff. It's okay. Come out and say there's con – I don't care if there's contract issues and you want more money and all that. But when you start doing cryptic things, wipe away the team from everywhere, and then it's you act like nothing went on, that's just weird. Right. It's hard to fault the guy, though. He's trying to stay yes. locked in and support his teammates. That's and right. Be part of an effort to win football games. At the same time, he's trying to take care of himself. He's probably hearing it from different family members no on either it. side. One person may be saying, get the money. The other may be saying, just shut your mouth. And it, it creates a lot of stress for it these does. players. we got another hour of PFT Live to come right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.